A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, welcome to Talking Sense podcast with me, Dr. Marta. I'm a clinical psychologist trained in family therapy and every week I answer one of your real life questions to give you some psychological understandings, some ideas and suggestions to guide you and your child. Before we begin, I always like to take a little moment before we begin to talk about things a little bit deeper. Today, I wonder if there's one thing that you can forgive. I often feel like there are things that we hold on to because we're upset or we're sad and we often have good reasons for that. But if there's one thing that you can forgive this week, one thing you can just let go of and say, that's in the past and I can let go of that. Have a think and see if you can find something. And when you're ready, let's begin. question is about having an only child or being an only child. The pros and cons of this. Let's have a listen. Do only children grow up to be weird? Um, Something I was always taught was that, or spoken to, is that only children were weird and they grow up to be strange. I think that's not the case so much anymore and there's more and more um, onlys through no choice of their own for parents. And what does that mean? What does that mean to be an only child? What is that child missing out on? What are they gaining? What are the pros and cons of being an only child? I'd just really love to know a bit more about it, the psychology of being an only child. The social aspect, I guess, is what people focus on all the time. But equally, I've read that, you know, they get love bombed by their parents in a different way because all of the love is on that one child and they tend to be close to their parents I don't know is that true what can we do to help support them what experiences are they missing out on um that sort of thing anything around being an only child would be great thank you I find this question really interesting because I don't think it's something that we talk about very much in our society and yet I think there are some really strong stereotypes around single children and I don't really even like the label of only children and I know that's the most common label so families who have one child we often think of that child as an only child but I think the word only also makes them sound like they're missing something like there's only one of them when there should be more there's a should attached to that kind of way of phrasing a single child an only child also sounds like they're lonely um and I I don't like that I don't like that kind of phrasing so I'm going to try and talk about it as being a single child in honesty they're just children okay all children are children and actually they're all individuals and they're all unique whether they have siblings or not but let's think about single children and one of the things that I've become really aware of 
in adulthood, even before parenting, is that there are so many stereotypes about single children. So no matter where they come from in terms of their background or whatever their situation is context-wise, there's often a suggestion, an idea that they are spoilt, they're inflexible, so they're quite rigid in their opinions, they're quite bossy, antisocial, quiet, and sometimes there's also the sense of they're a little bit arrogant and maybe even narcissistic, you know, they're selfish. And there's something that I've heard even in my like social context, like friendship context, when I've met someone that I've not met before and then after a while they reveal that they don't have any siblings and somebody amongst the group will say, oh, that's really obvious. And I'm like, what? How is that obvious? And I've been really struck by this because I don't think it's something that I was really very much aware of. Um, You know, I don't know why, but I think it's more obvious to me within this culture in the UK, and I didn't grow up in the UK. But there is something about, you know, being a single child and having these like very negative perceptions about them. And the truth is that there is no scientific evidence that any of these stereotypes have a truth. Um, And Tekken as a group, and there has been some research done on children who have no siblings, there are some advantages, which to me seem very obvious and logical when they're talked about. And I'm also very aware that when I talk about this sometimes, as I have done in my community on Instagram, it can often be a little bit um, confronting to some parents who have siblings or who are single children and this hasn't been their experience. So one of the things I'm going to say here and now is that research is not individualized. So your individual experience, if you are a single child, you know, you were brought up without siblings or you have a single child, might be very different. And I'm going to talk about why, because there's a nuance in it, okay? To do research properly, we have to like try and narrow down factors and look at certain specific areas. So I'm going to talk about those, but then I'm also going to bring in some nuance because I know that's not everybody's experience and it is a privilege to have children. So I'm going to start with that because I think there is this, you know, particularly using that language of an only child, there is this sense of if you're in a couple relationship and you are in the age of, you know, or life stage of having children, there is a should that you have should have more than one, okay? There is something about having a single child that feels stereotypically, I think, wrong. And that society says, that's not the way it should, under, you know, commas, be happening. And there is something about that that is important for us to notice because it puts pressure on parents and adults who do want children to have more than one, you have to consider the financial kind of stresses involved in having more than one child. Having children is a very expensive thing, okay? So first of all, finances are important. Secondly, having children is not a given. Biologically, not everybody can have children. Circumstantially, there's lots of things that can happen that mean that you cannot make a child or it doesn't end up happening the way that you wanted. It also means that often 
You know, siblings might be far apart in age due to circumstance and or it may never happen that you have a child but a second one doesn't come. Secondary infertility is incredibly common and I think it's becoming more talked about nowadays which is really important but I think again there is still a stigma of if you have one child when are you having the next and I want to talk about this because it's an important narrative for us to think about alongside the idea of single children. Because when we stereotype single children and their families, because really it comes as a package, right? If you're spoilt or, you know, you're arrogant or all those stereotypes, you know, you're rigid, your parents did something wrong. And what the implication is, is that your parents didn't give you a sibling and that is their fault. That was their choice or whatever it is. In some circumstances, I think it is a choice and it's a very healthy choice to have. If you only want one child, that is absolutely fine. And again, I think it's a privilege if you can have a child at all. And if you choose to have more, that is a huge privilege. Something for us to acknowledge, to accept, to be mindful and compassionate about rather than judge others who may, for whatever circumstance, sometimes choice, sometimes not at all, not be able to have more than one child. And I think as a society, a lot of this narrative of single children just really feeds into the pressure that parents feel. And it's really toxic. And I think it's something we do need to talk about and we need to reflect on for ourselves as individuals. How do we position ourselves when we think about single children? How do we talk about having siblings or not? You know, how do we see others who were brought up without siblings? Do we see it with compassion? Doesn't have to be pity, but it can be like curiosity about what was it like? And can we reflect on the pros and cons of both of those situations? There are great, wonderful positives about having siblings, you know, huge positives. And there are also huge positives about being a single child. But all of these things, the positives alongside the negatives, have to come from a context, which a lot of the time is environmental. And at the core of it is the relationship children have with their parents. Whether you have siblings or not, the greatest impact to your social and emotional development is the relationship you have with your parent. And of course, if you have more than one child as a parent, you're going to be relating to them differently. That doesn't mean that your relationship would be worse or better if you only had one child, okay? It doesn't mean that at all. You can have incredibly close bonded relationships with more than one child and many families do. But, and, not every family does. And even with a single child, Not every child has a close bond with their parents. So we'll just hold those things in mind. I know it's complicated because it's a lot. And like with most questions, there's no straightforward answer. But I'm going to begin with what we know in terms of research about single children pros and cons, including socialization and emotional development. And now I'm going to talk about the nuance. You know, what are the factors that actually affect this because it's going to be a unique individual experience for everyone. Okay, so first of all, a little bit of psychology history. I'll try and not make this too dull. In fact, I find this really interesting, some ways very upsetting for me, you know, to think about the history of my profession and the things that we have said and done and the impact of how it's shaped society. But I also find it very interesting because 
In some ways, I see it as a hopeful thing that we can carry on shaping history in positive ways, depending on the stories and the science that we talk about. So the stereotypes, we know that some of the stereotypes of single children actually come back from the Victorian era. So somewhere around the 1800s, there were psychologists who were publishing work talking about single children with the stereotypes that we know nowadays. Okay, so this idea of children being spoilt and indulged and they turn into hypersensitive, narcissistic individuals. Okay, so let's have a think about what was happening in the 1800s. They needed workforce, okay? They needed people to procreate. This was a wonderful way of saying to people, don't have a single child because it's bad for them and it's bad for you. You're going to spoil them and turn them into these monsters in adulthood. You need to have lots of kids, okay? Kids with siblings fare better, so have lots of kids. And as a society, we were growing and therefore we needed more people. So, you know, some societies do shrink when there's lots of elderly people and not a lot of babies being born in a society. They shrink and they get smaller, which means the workforce is not really available. And in the 1800s, what they wanted was to increase population. So we need to know this because in some ways it is propaganda and it is propaganda. And we also need to know that this idea of being a single child and it being a disease in itself, which is the kind of language that they used at the time, which I find, you know, shocking in some ways. But also you can see what they're saying and doing, right? If you understand the context of society, We need to understand that this is where it came from and actually that kind of narrative, it stuck because societal narratives do stay with us, whether the evidence there is there or not. And I think it's really important to kind of remember that science is also shaped by culture and context and society. And so, you know, the things that they were trying to look out for was how do we tell people to have more children? And this is what happened. And then in the 50s, there was this idea of what a good nuclear family looks like. And that seemed to be two parents and two children. And since then, that narrative has kind of stuck. You know, this idea of the 2.5 family, this kind of average, and we often think as an average as being a good thing, right? There's this idea of what family looks like and it's often not depicted as two parents and one child or one parent and one child and even if we think about tv programs right which are really important because they depict something about our culture so any kind of tv shows with families what we often see is that there are more than one child and there are sibling relationships in the tv series it often makes for a more interesting tv watch probably, but it's also depicting something about what we are normalising within our society. I'm also going to add that there are new TV series with families that look a little bit different, like Modern Family, where often the kids don't have any siblings and what they have is cousins. So there are some new things coming out there, like both reflecting our modern society, but also kind of being shared in our culture that normalise this idea of only children being okay and actually no further worse than children with siblings. But even so, we need to know that those images really, really stick. When there's images of a family with one child, it often looks a little bit off. 
And people find that difficult because it doesn't fit with what we have as a concept in our society of what a good family looks like. But these are just stereotypes, okay? And I'm just giving you an idea of how these stereotypes have been shaped in our society because I think it's an important thing to reflect on. But the reality really doesn't conform to this, okay? In 1980, there was a lot more research that started to happen looking at families and looking at socialization and sibling dynamics. And this idea of what an ideal family kind of got broken down and deconstructed a little bit. So what started to get known a little bit more was that children develop into whoever they are in terms of their identity and their morals, given their family and their education. And it's within like the context of their society. It isn't so much to do with whether they have a sibling or they don't. It's a lot more to do with the collective environment that they're brought up in. It's got to do with how their relationships are shaped with the adults around them and the kind of social cultural stories that are around them that support them developing and learning things like social interaction, etc. I'm also going to say here that in terms of of developing social development, children learn from people who are older than them. So children with siblings do benefit when it's the younger sibling, they benefit from seeing their older sibling do things. Of course they do, because they can watch and it's modeling and they learn language and play and other kind of behaviors from watching an older sibling. Of course, the flip side of that coin is that if the older sibling is behaving or saying or doing things that are not appropriate, your younger child will also learn those things a lot quicker. I mean, that makes sense. However, children learn best with those who are older than them. So in terms of socialization, children who are single children, we know this, often socialize really well because they spend time with adults who have very good social skills. So in fact, one of the things that we do know as evidence that has been kind of looked at over lots and lots of studies is that often single children, not always, but often as a majority, have better verbal skills. And of course, that's also going to be influenced by a child's kind of temperament and cognitive ability. But overall, they tend to have better verbal skills because they're spending more time with people who have very good verbal skills who are adults, and they tend to catch up in terms of their socialization with their peers very quickly, as soon as they're in a school situation. So any differences that you notice or that you might perceive in socializing for a child who's a single child, they completely disappear after like a first term at school. And that's really important to know because children are learning and developing all the time. So of course they catch up. They catch up very quickly and you don't really need to do anything about this. You just need to let it happen and it will. And of course, I am talking is a generalization. Some children develop language a bit slower and they may need support, but that will be true whether they're single children or they have a sibling. It is not the sibling that is making that difference happen. That is an individual difference. Okay, I've kind of gone a little bit off course. So I'm going to come back to what I was talking about. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, something else linking in from this idea of social development that we know from research, and it's quite interesting, I think, is that only children, this stereotype of the fact that they can't make friends very easily or they're antisocial totally does not fit with the evidence that we have. And those ideas that they're shy and socially awkward is really not there. What science has found in terms of looking at single children is that they're actually naturally equipped to socialise often in much more kind of competent ways than children who have siblings. And you might think, why? Okay, and what does that mean? Well, what it means is that often if children are single children, what they do is they interact with other children who don't live in their home. So it might be extended family, such as cousins, or it might be some family friendships, so other children who are slightly older than them or younger than them, but they're not living in the same home. And what happens is they learn to share and they learn to build social relationships with children from other families. But this is a significant difference because what single children don't have, what children with siblings do, is the pressure of sharing an environment and often toys and of course, parental love when they're at home. So one of the things that the research found is that single children are often a lot more confident in social relationships. They have like an inner confidence, an inner quietness, which is sometimes perceived as shyness, but that's them making sense of the environment and choosing who they want to relate to. And what happens is that they tend to understand the concepts of sharing in a very different way. And when we think about sharing, I know that there's lots, again, of stereotypes around sharing is caring and sharing, teaching sharing to children is really important. Now, I'm not going to deny that teaching generosity is not a great concept. It is, but we don't force children to share because if we force children to share from a place of not wanting to, all that we teach children is to resent giving things away. We know from the concept of sharing that the best thing that promotes sharing is having abundance. So when we have enough of something for ourselves, we are happy to give some away to another. And it's also about empathy and perspective taking, lots of high complex kind of cognitive abilities, which little ones below the age of around four and a half simply cannot do. However, 
When it comes to single children, they begin to learn the concepts of sharing in a way that is really kind of protected because at home they don't have to share anything. Everything is theirs. And so they have a kind of comfort, safety in their home about things that are theirs. And in the early years, those kind of concepts are actually really important. The concept of mine, possessiveness, is really important. It's linked to identity development. And it's not unhealthy and it's not selfish. It is what helps children's brains understand these objects are linked to who I am. And when they get to the stage where their brain is able to understand the concept of sharing around four, four and a half, what they found is that single children tend to be better at sharing and they tend to be more openly generous rather than selfish. Why? Because they have plenty. They are plenty full of whether it's social interaction with their parents or toys or space. And therefore, when it comes to interacting with other children, they don't mind giving things away. Now, that might sound really surprising. But to me, it sounds very logical. When siblings are forced to share, and I know this isn't true for all households, okay? So don't take all my generalizations as a given because siblings, as I often talk about, really deserve protected space and they also deserve protected toys that are just theirs and they don't have to share with their siblings. But they also have an added pressure of having to share things like space in their home and you know parental time and those are things that are inevitable and it doesn't mean that you're harming your children if you have siblings this is like you're giving them a gift a gift of hopefully lifelong companionship with another which a single child may not have in the same way okay pros and cons always however siblings do struggle with sharing with others and with each other more because they need to spend more time protecting their things, which is why coming in as a parent and offering your child protection for what they want and they need early on can be really, really helpful. Finally, one more positive for single children, and I'm gonna come on to the cons in a minute, which I've kind of interspersed through here as well. But, you know, one of the positives is obviously financial resources. So single children don't have to share the financial resources of a family in the same way as siblings do. And it's less pressure for parents as well. That sounds really obvious, but it also has some kind of carry-on effects in terms of whether it's education or learning or anything like that. And there is some findings that single children tend to be more motivated to learn educationally they tend to do better again these are generalizations because it will be linked to individual temperament and cognitive ability and interest academically of course however the fact that their financial resources are there that parental attention is more likely to be available for support with homework etc means that often single children do very well academically this doesn't mean that children who have siblings don't do well academically, okay? It's not one or the other, it's a both and. Finally, the thing that we know that is like the biggest factor is that children who don't have siblings are missing out on a buffering effect when there is parental dysfunction at home. I don't really like that word dysfunction, but you know, when there is parental conflict or there's a parental separation or 
family environment isn't warm and loving and containing. And, you know, families go through seasons, so there's always going to be times when this happens. We know that single children struggle more because they don't have a buffer. They don't have a sibling that is able to dilute the negative impact of the stresses that you may go through as a family. And this is also true in later life, where single children find it a little bit harder to deal with the stresses of caring for older parents in a way that children who have siblings when they become adults are able to share the load, whether it's practical and financial or most time than not, it's emotional because there's a way of being able to share the experiences that you're having with your parents and you can connect through that. Of course, I'm going to say this here because it's also important to remember, not all siblings get on and not all siblings have a like warm connection that will buffer parental distress or parental conflict when they're older. That is also true. And we can't force siblings to have a good relationship because relationships are unique and they're individual and they happen over time. As a parent, your hope can be that your children have a good relationship and you can have a role in building that, making sure that you're nurturing their relationship separate to you. However, when they get older, things can change. Some siblings get closer than they were children. That is very common, very, very common. And some siblings move apart and they just don't really get on with each other because they're such different people or whatever it is. There are so many reasons for this. None of them are your fault as a parent, you know, and there's also often not very much that we can do when siblings move apart and they separate. As parents, we can hold individual relationships with each of our children and love them deeply and understand that there is friction in their relationship and that is something that they have to go through. And, you know, single children won't go through those conflicts, but they also won't have a kind of supportive companion that understands some of the life experiences that they've had at home, even though every sibling experiences home differently. Single children don't get to have somebody who they can reflect or think about or even discuss some of these challenges with who is a sibling. But of course, lots of single adults, you know, single children who become adults, have great friendships. So the hope is that, of course, they have somebody they can talk about this with. They'll have a really close relationships with other people and they can have these conversations. But I also think for some people who are single children, these conversations are really difficult if what you're aware of is that other people have stereotypes about you, that they're looking down at you because you're a little bit weird or odd because you're a single child. So I think for those conversations to feel nurturing and compassionate and useful, we need to start to shrink some of those stereotypes, put them on hold, understand that the core of all development with our children is more linked to the relationship that parents have with their kids than whether it's the siblings or there are no siblings. And we need to focus on just understanding each other as individual humans. And our experiences have, of course, shaped us into who we are, but they're not all of us either. We each have our own individual likes and dislikes and temperaments, and that also has a shaping into who we are. So if you meet a single you know, a single child who is now an adult and they seem arrogant or a little bit, you know, overconfident. Maybe that's just who they are. 
And even if they had siblings, that's who they would be. Do not just judge somebody based on whether they have siblings or not. Just keep your mind really open and curious and remember that we're all completely unique individuals. And I think if we move together as a society into this gradual acceptance that there is no such thing as a normal nuclear family, that all families are different, that some families have two parents and some only have one and some have none. Some children are looked after by grandparents. Some children have siblings and they're related by biology and some children have siblings and they're not related, but they are still part of a family. It's really important that we move towards this idea of all families can be good and healthy and all children can have unique experiences that shape their development and support them into adulthood. And our role as adults is to simply be there, to guide and support children. And whether you're a parent or not, if you're in a life of a child, I want you to know that you also have that kind of positive influence on them. So just remember that, okay? Negative stereotypes, they don't serve any of us. And families are all unique. They're all beautiful in their own way and they all come with their privileges and their challenges. And we're coming to an end. Thank you for joining me on another Talking Sense podcast. I like to give you a little mantra to hold you for the rest of the week. And today's mantra is, it's not supposed to be easy, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth it. I wish you a restful end to your week. And if you haven't seen my Confident Parent course yet, you can look out for it on my website, www.drmartyrpsychologist.com. It comes with over four hours of videos, but they are broken down into easy, accessible chunks of three to six minutes, just enough time to have a cup of tea and listen to something that might be useful to you in a moment of challenge. I really hope it becomes a companion to your parenting and that you find it useful. I really enjoyed creating it for you all. Until next week, I hope you will join me again. See you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.